Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. I'm Charlie Wright, and we'd like to welcome our guest for today, Chris Raleigh. Founder and CEO of Harvest Returns, this is a crowdfunding platform for investing in farm and timberland passive investments, uh, to, and uh, Chris speaks to us from their offices in Fort Worth, Texas. Chris, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thanks for having me on, Charlie. So, Chris, uh, you are retired military, deployed in Afghanistan, Iraq, Persian Gulf, Western Pacific, uh, etc. But it was in Central America that, while visiting a farm investment, that you conceived the idea of building a crowdfunding platform for agricultural investments. So, give us a brief description of Harvest Returns, will you? Sure. Harvest Returns is an online marketplace for investments in production agriculture. So for as little as $5,000, uh, accredited investors can in- get a portion of a placement in farmland, timberland, orchards, or a livestock operation. Okay. And so uh, explain, first of all, crowdfunding platform for our listeners. Many of them are not going to be familiar with that. Right. So crowdfunding, I- I'm sure most of your listeners have probably heard of, of things like Kickstarter, or GoFundMe. Those are those are the social crowdfunding platforms, but there's also equity crowdfunding platforms. So there's a number of platforms out there in existence right now for people to invest in commercial real estate, single family, fix and flips, those sorts of things. And those platforms have been rather successful. So about a year ago, I came up with the idea of combining the same concept of investment crowdfunding platforms uh, with agricultural investments and started Harvest Returns. Okay, and so an investor who would be interested in investing in the farm space, okay, either domestically or internationally, right? Right. They would go onto this site and they would see various projects, various things that they could invest in? That's correct. And then they would select one or more that they would like and have to invest uh, a minimum of whatever the minimums are. Does each one have its own minimum, or is this one, Is there one minimum for all projects? No, each one has a minimum. And like, like I said, uh, the, our, our lowest entry fee is probably about $5,000, um, but we're going to have a range of investments on the platform, anywhere from 5000 to, say, 50000 on on some of the minimums. Okay, and so does a an investor who goes on, they look at a uh, particular uh, a strategy and project that they like, okay, and they want to invest in it, but the strategy has to create a certain level of interest or raise a certain amount of money before it, it goes live. And so... What we've got is people willing to invest, but the project has to create a certain level of interest, let's say $500,000. What happens if it doesn't get to the $500,000 threshold within the time frame requirement of the project manager? Great question. Well, if if we don't meet the investment minimum to to fund the project, um, the investor's money will be in escrow and it will be refunded to them at that time. I see. Okay, so it goes into escrow, and it's refunded. So they can pick one or more projects to invest in, and uh, these are equity investments, correct? These are not loans. 
Right. Uh, we're focusing on equity investments for the farmers because there's right now there's shortage of capital in, in some certain crop types. Um, agriculture producers here in America, in, in some aspects, are having trouble uh, getting access to capital where, uh, especially if they're into specialty crops, uh, such as you know olive orchards, those sorts of things that don't necessarily produce a harvest for several years and it's hard to get a traditional loan on so we're we're focused on those investments and those projects that uh, will require equity capital and also keep the farmers from kind of getting over leveraged uh, there was a big farm crisis as, as most people know in the, in the 1980s and a lot of farmers just kind of got in over their head on debt we're, we're not to that point uh, yet but we're offering an alternative to debt financing for ag producers okay so Chris I presume these investments are illiquid correct for yes, the investment. Uh, correct. Agriculture is a long-term, uh, for people with long-term investment uh, horizons. However, uh, there will be some some durations on, on some of these deals where uh, if expected land appreciation um, will be such that in four or five years, the project manager or sponsor will, will be able to sell the land and uh, investors will reap that appreciation along with the annual re- yields from the harvest. Uh, there's also a, an, an increasing number of services out there, third-party services, that will let people trade in their private placements at whatever the market price is. Okay. So how does the investor benefit from this? Is there an annual yield or a monthly yield or something on, on the most of these projects? Uh, or do they just have to wait till the farm is sold? How, how do they benefit? Right. So generally, most agriculture crops and investments have an annual harvest. In some cases, there um, some productive areas and, you know, the equator regions there might be more than one one harvest per year but generally the the investors are going to get an annual uh yield an annual dividend uh check and then at the end of the investment uh they'll be able to realize the appreciate appreciation on the land as well okay and and how does somebody guess what that annual yield is going to be that can vary depending on the type of the uh, crop. You know, we work with very experienced sponsors who, who are generally experienced in growing um, what they're trying to raise money for. And, uh, for instance, we're working with a, uh, a small naturally raised pork farmer here in, in Texas, and he's got very thorough projections on how many hogs he's going to produce every year and, and uh, the birth rates and uh, predicted sales and all that. So it's just like any anything else, any other investment, you can – develop a pro forma uh, calculation on, on what the returns will be. Okay. And who are the sponsors of these? Are they typically corporations? Uh, are they typically, you know, small farmers like, like this guy um, that you just mentioned? Who, who, who are the sponsors? Yeah, our typical sponsor uh, of the folks that we've talked to so far, um, many of them are small farmers who want to expand. They either grew up in a multi-generational farming family. Uh, you know, 98% of the farms in the U.S. are owned by families, although some of those family farms are rather large corporations, rather large uh, operations. Uh, but we're looking for someone who's been farming for a while who needs to raise somewhere uh, north of half a million dollars to get into to expand their operation or get on a new piece of land. And how are you guys compensated for this? So we take a listing fee. We're a, a third-party service. We're, we're not a broker-dealer. We work with a broker-dealer who uh, actually sells the securities, and we just take a, uh, a basically a marketing fee. We're, we're a marketing platform, more or less. And uh, how do you do due diligence or vetting of these projects that farmers come to you with? 
there's a number of criteria we look at. And like I said, the first one we're looking for is the sponsor's track record. So is, is this person uh, experienced with a particular crop or, or animal that they will be raising? Um, how long have they been doing it? And we're also looking at the, the market for the project, the location of the project, the uh, infrastructure involved. In some cases, we're, we're dealing with uh, emerging markets, emerging countries, so we want to make sure that there's there's infrastructure there. A lot of cases, we will actually go out and visit the project, visit the farm, make sure it, it says, you know, it, it, it is what the sponsor is representing it to be. And, and, of course, we're looking at the financial attractiveness of the deal. Okay. And uh, is there a dearth of money available to the agricultural community at this time from banks? Uh, we certainly hear about that to small businesses, Dodd-Frank issues, etc. cetera. Um, it, it, is there money available to banks or is there, you know, much less than there was 12 years ago? Uh, where are we there and, and, and why why this at this time? Sure. Uh, I Ag lending standards ha- haven't tightened as much, maybe as, as commercial real estate standards. Um, it's there's still quite a bit of money out there, capital on the debt side. On the equity side, it's a little harder uh, for farmers. And again, we want to make sure that farmers maintain healthy balance sheets. And uh, bringing in equity investors lets them uh, realize some economies of scale that and, and actually take on larger pieces of land and larger debt, if that's part of their business plan, then they might be able to do without those outside equity investors. So it's it's not a new idea by any any means, uh, bringing in outside investors. It's just that the mechanism by which we're doing it with crowdfunding is, is new. Okay. So let me ask a question from a perspective of a total, total neophyte here um, with agriculture. If, if a company is successful, if, if they're profitable, what incentive would they have to sell in, in terms of these pro, uh, project that an investor is in? Right. Well, I, I think the incentive is, is one, to realize the, you know, the capital gains on the land. But in many cases, they're, they're not going to sell, and, and it's, a, it's a long-term horizon. For instance, timber stands is a very uh, long-term in some cases, multi-generational investment. Now, we, we do want to add a little bit of a liquidity. One of the reasons that we started this was to make agriculture more accessible. Uh, there's a, sovereign wealth funds, there's pension funds, uh, university endowments all have large um, investments in natural resources. Uh, but for a smaller investor, even if that investor's you know, a high net worth individual, a credit investor, it's, it's a little bit tougher to get into this field. So our platform enables people to kind of dip their toes in the water uh, with five, ten, twenty thousand $20,000 and see how they they like agriculture as an investment. Yeah, you know, when you look at the uh, asset allocation charts for institutions, you always see natural resources there, always. Uh, and, and that's something that the vast majority of private investors don't have, and I presume that this is also uh, diversified uh, and and non-correlated to the stock market and the like, correct? Exactly right. That's probably probably one of the most compelling reasons to get into agriculture, to to get a piece of agriculture in your portfolio. Um, They are positively correlated to inflation. Farmland generally is in, in timberland, but it's negatively correlated to other financial assets like stocks and bonds, and that's that's primarily the reason, as you said, that these institutional investors are in there. But there's other reasons. Uh, the returns themselves are, are pretty impressive. When you look at farmland returns, they've actually exceeded 
the S&P 500 since 1970. So it's a great, from, from a purely a, a return standpoint, risk return standpoint, it's a solid investment. And the, to me, the other compelling issue is, is just the global demographic trends. You know, we've got, what, 7, million peop- 7 billion people on Earth right now, and in the next 30 years, that's going to increase to about 10 billion or so, and that's a lot of mouths to feed. And additionally, as people get wealthier, they, they shift their their diet from plant protein to animal protein. So that and urbanization, which is eating up arable farmland, are, are all reasons that the long-term trends for agriculture are attractive. Okay. We need to take a short break here, Chris. When we come back, let's talk about the international um, nature and opportunities of this investment, as well as the SRI and sustainability element in places such as Central America that many people are going to very possibly be interested in. Again, we're talking with Chris Raleigh, founder and CEO of Harvest Returns, a crowdfunding platform for the agricultural community. Uh, You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, and we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. All right, here we go. Back to Charlie and his fascinating discussion here. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate that. Again, we're talking with Chris Raleigh, founder and CEO of Harvest Returns, and he speaks to us from Fort Worth, Texas. So, Chris, uh, a question that uh, Paul just raised to me here is uh, explain how the investor benefits financially at exit. Right. So it, it, it the exit of the deal, they're going to get their principal returned and – any sort of appreciation, and it's like any private placement. It's going to be structured differently. Each deal is structured differently, so there there could be waterfall distributions and and, and splits and things split, things like that. Um, but but bottom line, you're going to you know any investment is risky, but but potentially get your your principal back plus appreciation. Okay, and and uh, so generally speaking, they invest. The investor invests, they, and and they get. Paid back in two ways. One is at the end of the project when it's sold. Okay, they're going. The, the investor is going to get a percentage of the profits, however that's defined. Correct. Right. And then, in addition to that, every year, hopefully, they're going to receive a dividend. Okay, from uh, the, the the yield that's been created from the profits of the activity on that farm. Is that it? Yes, that's exactly right. Okay, and and they may get half of the profits uh, that year, or they may get two-thirds. It depends on the project. Is that it? Right. It's just how it's structured in the private placement memorandum. Okay. Okay. 
So let's talk now about the international flavor of this. Uh, again, you came up with this while uh, visiting Central America. Uh, do you have projects all over the world? Are you primarily focused on uh, South Central America and South America, etc.? Right now we have projects that that are in our pipeline in North America, Central and South America. We're eventually hoping to be worldwide. Uh, one of the things that was compelling to us for starting this this um, business was that both my, my co-founder, Austin, and I have extensive experience traveling the world in the military, and we've been to a lot of emerging countries, markets, and uh, know that, that, that there's real potential out there for agriculture. So, so we eventually will um, be chasing other parts of the world deals there. Okay, but isn't that a special challenge? Uh, you, you, this is a private placement, Regulation D project, correct? That's exactly right. And and so they have to have all the paperwork and legal work uh, done and following, follow all the compliance rules, etc. Can companies uh, or people in South uh, and Central America and possibly, you know, in the future, India or other emerging com- countries, uh, can they do that? Yeah, we, we, we don't see a problem with that. We're, of course, the level of due diligence and the, the challenges with due diligence are, are a little bit uh, harder when you're working with overseas. Um, we can't just drive down the road and look at the farm. We have to have to get on a plane and, and fly down and uh, and make sure that uh, who we're working with is solid and investigate their track record and all that. But I, I don't see these challenges as insurmountable. Okay. Now, I have seen, and in fact, on this show, we've interviewed others who were involved in projects kind of similar to these, but their total focus was uh, SRI, socially responsible investing, and sustainability element of those investments. Are you focused on that and touting that at all? Well, certainly sustainability is important to us. It's, I wouldn't say it's our, our exclusive focus. Um, you know, any anything sustainable investment, it needs to be sustainable economically, financially, as well as, as socially and environmentally. And But it just so happens that, that, you know, American consumers specifically are very interested in knowing where their food comes from, how it's produced, and who is producing it. And our platform is, is very much in tune with that. And so there's a, there's a higher demand for organic foods and things like that, and, and the returns are, are also higher uh, with these sorts of deals. So, so like I said, we're working with a naturally raised pork uh, producer. We're, we're talking to an organic grain farmer, a uh, person who's converting all his land from uh, conventionally raised grains to organic grain to meet the higher demand for the, for those products in the U.S. So I, I think cer- certainly the social aspects are important. And by investing in these private placements, you, you actually get to know um, who you're investing with and who the farmer is uh, rather than just investing blindly in a fund where a manager is going to make all those decisions. And, and Chris, uh, do you find that on the sustainability end and on the SRI end that uh, in these foreign countries, and let's face it, we know how many foreign countries work, just read the Wall Street Journal about Brazil these days and the like, um, do you find that these smaller producers in agriculture are kind of forced into these bigger cooperatives in ways that is not beneficial to them? And are you kind of looking to free them from those requirements, kind of like the world of microfinance has done for the very small entrepreneur, keeping them away from the, quote, big, bad, ugly middleman that was taking all their profits before? Yeah, I'd say we're, we're kind of a middle market um, capital raiser. So there are 
uh, like you said, microfinance uh, opportunities for people who want to lend money or donate money to to kind of subsistence farmers in in the emerging markets, but. But there are also very large institutions that are going and, and buying up large chunks of land. So we, we see ourselves as kind of the middle way for uh, a farmer uh, in an emerging market who has experience, who wants to, uh, just needs better access to capital. And certainly, uh, in answer to your previous question, in emerging markets, it's much, much harder to get capital so um, than it is here in the U.S. So, so that's one of the reasons why I think we're compelling to smaller uh, sorts of, of producers in, in other countries. And Chris, do you guys play an ongoing role in these investments, or are you like a real estate broker, once the deal is done, uh, you walk away? We're, we're kind of a middleman for these, so we don't necessarily have an equity position in the deals, but we do provide, uh, via our online platform, a way for the distributions to occur, also tax documents to be uploaded, and maybe more importantly, the um, updates from the, the farmers, the sponsors themselves. So they'll be able to, uh, investors will be able to see how their uh, deals are doing uh, via updates from the farmers, whether it's uh, pictures of the harvest or just um, financial reports, that sort of thing. And we're, we're the kind of online platform to allow that to happen. Okay. So, Chris, uh, to kind of close this part out here, give us a summary of why you believe in your subjective opinion, okay, an investor should be interested in looking at this. Right. Main reason is, is the three, three reasons in agriculture as an investment itself. Global demographics favor it. The returns are solid. The risk can be managed. Uh, there's various re- ways to manage risk on these, whether it's crop insurance or hedging um, that the farmers are doing to mitigate any sorts of risk associated with drought, disease, that sort of thing. And, and finally, that diversification. If an investor wants uh, a small percentage of his, his portfolio shielded from um, the other financial markets, agriculture is the way to do it, just like real estate is a good way to do it as well. Okay, so Chris, a question I'd like to ask all of our guests here is, what keeps you awake at night? Recognizing that you're a guy who's been deployed with the U.S. Navy uh, in a number of very hot conflict areas here. So today, what keeps you awake at night? Sure. I, I know a lot of people respond that the market uh, keeps them awake. I, I'm actually very bullish on the market, both in the U.S. right now. Um, land prices have, have actually pulled back a little bit in the U.S. because commodity prices have, but uh, that's also because the, the stock market is, is doing so well right now. But uh, when that situation re- reverses, it'll be bullish for agriculture investments in the U.S. Uh, so what I will say is it's actually regulatory environment. Crowdfunding is a new um, industry and it's uh, the, the regulations are very dynamic and, and so what I spend a lot of time thinking about is is what new rules are the SEC going to come out with on crowdfunding and hopefully those are favorable to our business and the other people that are in the crowdfunding business. Let's all hope so because uh, again from the Jobs Act 2012 it's a potential game changer in the world of investments here and a great great um, equality egalitarian uh, benefit to uh, to people and Democrats like Paul, they're, they're, they should love that here. So, uh, question number two: What book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? Right, I'd say a book that that really kind of got me sparked on on 
various possibilities on raising money is, is called capital attraction. And it's basically about raising uh, funds for small balance real estate and agriculture. The, the type of investments we're doing is one of those small, essentially it is real estate. So that book, uh, Capital Attractions by Matthew Burke, and it's a pretty good read. Okay, and Matthew Burke is uh, somebody that we interview on this show. So we will certainly tell him that you've recommended his book, and uh, thank you for doing that. So give us your website and contact information for those who would like to know more, Chris. Sure. Best way to get a hold of us is to visit our website at harvestreturns.com. You can go on there and register your profile and be alerted to our opportunities as they arise and, and get in there and kind of browse the opportunities. Um, you can also follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and I think we have LinkedIn as well. Okay. And final words for our listeners, Chris. Well, I hope you uh, take a look at agriculture as an investment. Uh, most people think of alternative investments. They think real estate automatically, and agriculture is real estate. It's just got the rents and the yields uh, come from uh, natural resources, and it's uh, ubiquitous. It's just hard to get into, and we're offering an easy way for an easier way for investors to get into agriculture. Okay, Chris, thank you very much. We really appreciate you joining us today. And in the next few days as I eat, I'll think about what you have said and about uh, harvest returns here. So thank you very much for being with us today. You're welcome, Charlie. Thanks for having me. Again, we've been talking with Chris Raleigh, founder and CEO of Harvest Returns, a crowdfunding platform for the uh, agricultural industries from Fort Worth, Texas. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, and uh, we'd love to have you contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and go to our website to hear podcasts of all our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host Charlie Wright or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing. 